Welcome to Ami Sites, a podcast that offers you access to thought leaders who can help you expand your entrepreneurial toolbox. Learn from seasoned entrepreneurs who have already walked in your shoes and can help you with your day-to-day business decisions. Join the founder and CEO of Multifunding, Ami Kassar, and his co-host, Lynn Ozer, the president of Multifunding, aka the SBA Queen, as they help you navigate, grow, and stay in control of your business. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the next edition of Onsites. I'm Ami Kassar. Joining me is my co-host, Lynn Ozer, aka SBA Queen. I'm so excited to have my friend Fletcher Wibush on. Fletcher's background says we solve hard hiring problems. Fletcher, what does that mean? (laughs) That means throw the hardest hiring problem you have at me and let's unpack it for whatever, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, and let's solve it. I mean, that's what it means to me. I've spent literally my entire life since I was 16 thinking about this. I'm now 41, so i got a long ways to go and a lot more to learn, but I just can't get enough of it. I talk about it in my sleep, my wife. (laughs) So, Fletcher... Do, I mean, you've thought about it since you were 16. Tell us how you came to making this your business. Yeah. Well, my father was a management consultant, like a business coach, right? And then he developed these really cool behavioral aptitude assessments. And he was an introvert, like a researcher, scientist kind of guy. And and I like this crazy outgoing, you know, extrovert. And for some reason, they put me into like, you know, leadership roles, like captain of the football team, student body president. And. So very early, you know, not knowing much about anything, you know, I was in these leadership roles, but, you know, I had my dad chirping at me in the background saying, like, get the right people on the bus and good things are going to happen inside of your organization, whether that's a, you know, your EO organization or your nonprofit that you're on the board of or the business that you run or that you're a part of or a leader in, right? And and that I, that just stuck with me for some reason. And, you know, being in these leadership roles, you know, it really, it, you know, just sunk in. And I just kind of, that became my core why. It's like, wow, you know, I, I'm part of a lot of organizations, both, you know, for fun, social, nonprofit, and obviously in business in business and business leadership. And, and I you know, just made that my North Star is like, hey, you know, if I can get the right people on the team, then good things are going to happen. So to go to college to learn about this or <laughs> it or you really went to school to go into business or yeah. Yeah. what came first? Yeah, well, that's a good question. They don't teach hiring, recruiting or talent acquisition in college. Period, 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 period. I run these polls on LinkedIn and I ask HR professionals and I ask right. business leaders. And I think like 8% say they've been have some sort of like formal educational training re- related to this, right? Uh, I went in, I got a philosophy degree. I finished my degree in like two and a half years. And so I still had like a year and a half to actually like get a degree. So then I got a degree in finance or a minor in finance because I was, I'm very interested in business. I spent a lot of time thinking about the meaning of life, the universe and everything. The answer is really simple. It's 32. So once I figured that out, I didn't have to think about that anymore. And so I started thinking a lot more about work and business and 
be entrepreneurship and that kind of stuff. But so, but, you know, philosophy degree, you know, I went in thinking about, well, I want to be a lawyer because I'm, you know, I like to argue and, you know, I'm outgoing and all these things, but it really teaches you how to think, think critically. And so I definitely apply that in everything I do today. So Fletcher, I call you and I got a hard hiring problem. Yeah. Whatever it is. Well, throw one at me. I mean, you guys have a business, you know, give me your hardest hiring problem. Okay. We try to convince fine people who some base like banking experience, but are sick of banks and want to work in an entrepreneurial culture to come join us. Yeah. But what's the challenge with that? Are people flocking to you and like saying, hey, raising their hand, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, or having a hard time pe- getting enough people into the funnel, or you're not getting the right people in there? Probably don't spend enough time looking for them because we just kind of do the work. Yeah. You're a but- small entrepreneurial business, right? Like, do you have a dedicated talent acquisition person on your team? No, no. No. <laughs> delegated to somebody or a couple of people, right? You know, you're you're looking at it. Yeah, exactly. And you're flying all over the country, telling everybody about how to leverage SBA lending, which I love to death. And you know, I can't tell, can't talk enough about Ami. Uh, I tell everybody I know, you got to talk to this guy Ami. You know, <laughs> but yeah, you're busy. You know, evangelizing your mission and you know, sharing that with the world, right? So you got to have some tools, I think, that make it a little bit simpler, and hopefully, you have a good partner. I mean, I think, I mean, that's kind of what we do. I mean, we give people the tools to make it doing it easier. And really step one is just having a really good marketing message. So hiring, recruiting is a, is a sales and marketing activity. So the first thing everybody has to get kind of out of their head is it's like this admin HR or this necessary evil thing. You've got to approach it from a marketing and sales perspective. And when anytime you think about that, I mean, anybody who's done marketing, you guys do a lot of marketing. Marketing can be kind of hard, right? There's some best practices, but if you apply any marketing knowledge you have to hiring, you start thinking about it that way. You know, step one is okay. How do you get the word out, and how do you do that as easily as possible? You got the right tools, so you know, start with any applicant tracking system. Of course, I'm going to evangelize my tool. You know, discovered that's kind of what Ami helped me build. Thank you, Ami. I mean, without meeting you, I would not have built this product, right? So I have to give you that, and that's my whole lifetime of experience. But, you know, there are a lot of great tools out there, you know, and one is going to push your jobs to all the major job boards so that you can be found. It's going to give you a career page so that you're going to be found by Google. 50% of job searches start with Google. Do they end on Indeed or ZipRecruiter or LinkedIn? Yeah, maybe. But if you have a career page, they might start at Google and end on your career page, (laughs) right? And then, you know, employee referral programs. So you have referral programs for your clients, right? So your clients are referring you business. Well, why aren't your internal stakeholders and champions referring you business? That's a marketing activity. And if you're going to do that, make it easy for them. And one of the beauties of AI is I can spin up an employee referral program in about two seconds. Just say, hey, ChatGBT, create, you know, four messages to remind my employees about these great new openings we have to, to share it with their friends. And literally, it comes up with a magnificent email that you can just send out once a week to your people to remind them. And then social media, same thing. Hey, give me 10 social media posts that I can post to promote this. And now your team can share, like, share, you know, those posts. And again, super easy using AI these days to do that. And these are things that we're rapidly integrating into our platform to just make it easier for people. So it becomes a little more seamless. So it's not not much as much of a chore. The last thing I'd recommend, especially for entrepreneurs, and I tell this to my entrepreneur buddies all the time, it's just been like, especially if you have an active hiring campaign, like I need to fill this role now, right? 
just spend 15 minutes a day. Because if the right tool in 15 minutes a day, you can make a huge dent in your effort. Okay. On that note, when, you know, in my corporate life, I had to do hiring and one of the biggest things, and my department was kind of entrepreneurial within corporate structure, but I think about life at multifunding, and this is a question that would apply there. We're a really close-knit group and work very well together. Everybody shares and so forth. And there's a buzzword, or there was, I don't know, maybe it's out of date at this point, but it was all about teams. And team ability and team forming and team this, how does the hire fit in? So how much of that do you believe is critical as opposed to the actual, well, obviously they have to know the business, but fitting in and being a good learner. Yeah. Well, that's a a lot to unpack, I think, in that question. But you know, culture fit, right, is another buzzword to team fit or, you know, for the, you know, how is that going to work? But it starts by really clearly understanding what that is. And I think for many of us, we don't really have a clear idea. Like, even if you have a mission statement and core values, like, is it really ingrained? Are they accurate, right? Like, is what you want your culture to be or your team kind of environment to be like actually what it is? So you have to, Separate your desired state from your actual state as well, because sometimes they're not aligned, right? They're, you know, I'm working on being here. You got to get that really, really clear. What is it? And that's the fundamental steps. And, the, and then the next piece is that job description. Now, job description, I, I hate job descriptions. Let's simplify. So do I. Yeah, yeah, you hate writing them, right? Uh, and you, you got to You want to know the Omni concern philosophy of hiring? Yeah, yeah. What is it? I meet people somewhere and I like them and then I hire them. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know how well did that work out. Pretty well so far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So your gut is doing you well. Let's just simplify job description. You hire somebody to solve a problem, right? That is your job description. It is the mission of the role. And that problem that you solve is hopefully aligned with the problem that you solve for your customers as the mission for your business, right? It's a sub facet of that, right? You know, I help entrepreneurial businesses get great funding so that they can do amazing things, right? And then the one person's job is to educate those entrepreneurs on their alternative options to VC or PE funding or something, right? Or traditional bank lending, right? You know, so the problem they solve for the customer is educating them on their collective options and this unknown option of SBA lending, right? And that's the mission. That's the job description. Now take that as just a tad bit further is now describe that mission of educating people on their funding options to fulfill their dreams and apply some OKRs and KPIs to that, right? So it is nowhere in there. Am I talking about responsibilities or skills or competencies or abilities? I'm talking about e results and how we're gonna measure the progress towards those. And that becomes your candidate scorecard. So as you meet people and you like them, as you get to know them, as you interview them, you're collecting data and information about their past experiences, what they've done, what makes them successful. And you're comparing those notes against what you're gonna ask them to do, what problem you're gonna solve. And then you're gonna say, hey, do those seem to be in alignment there, right? Got it. 
great. Fletcher, tell us what does your company do? Yeah, well, we solve hard hiring problems and how we do that, right, is we give people the tools to make doing hiring easier, right? So that is the recruitment marketing tools to make, to get the word out, to say, hey, we've got this great opening and get people to come to us and say, hey, I'm interested. And where our core, where we started this journey was once we get the funnel, the people in the funnel is now we have a plethora of tools to help evaluate them. So those are assessment tools that are either behavioral, culture, attitude, integrity, that could be competency-based, like how smart they are, how quick of a learner they are, right? It could be people skills, sales skills, leadership skills, to more hard skills like math or some SEO or, you know, like the real specific skill sets, right? And then other fantastic tools like one-way video interviewing, automated reference checking, don't get me started on reference checking, reference checking. If there's one thing anybody takes away from this is that is the most powerful tool that you can employ in your hiring process is speaking to people past direct supervisors. We automate that for people or we educate them on it. We give interview guides and candidate scorecards. Can we dig into that a little bit, Fletcher? Yeah. yeah. I never understood that. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, I haven't interviewed for a long time, but yeah. I would be inclined to say people really carefully pick the people that they're going to put on as their references and prep them for what to say. Yeah. So yes. like, I want to say, tell me, can I talk to somebody that didn't work out so well with before? <laughs> Yeah. And they're going to say no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so I've you, always that tells references. you everything you need to know. But so here's the deal with references is, first of all, first mistake most people make is say, hey, Ami, can you give me three references? And then you're going to might get a result like you just described, right? So I put the ball in your court and I'm giving you full control over who you're going to provide as a practice. Right. And there are a lot of new nuances to it. It take it does take a little bit of practice. I mean, you got to do this maybe four or five or 10 times with a candidate. And it, oh, by the way, this is incredibly uncomfortable to do, but you just got to do it. You got to get good at it. But it's more like, you know, I don't know. I mean, you guys have both been entrepreneurs for a while, I assume, right? Yeah. And she's also our CTO, by the way. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, let me, I'll give you yeah. an example, maybe for me, but it would start like this. It's in the interview. Ami, I'm hiring you to be a sales guy for me. And I ask you some questions. Tell me about what you're doing. You're like, I don't know. I work at this company, multi-funding. I did sales or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I got to have contacts, right? So we got to start the conversation. That's the icebreaker. That's the easy stuff. Just give me some context about you, candidate, what you're doing, what your purpose is, what you're trying to do. I got some basic stuff. Great. Your time at multi-funding, let's just say Lynn's your boss. You know, Who did you report to, right? And you'd say, Lynn in this case, right? In this made up scenario. And I'd say, great, well, what was Lynn's role? And you know, you'd say, well, I don't know, she was the sales manager or the CEO or the director of business development or you know, something authoritative. And it gave me something not authoritative, but I'd say, well, that's nice, but could you give me, you know, who was Lynn's boss? <laughs> right? right? You know, so you got to control the conversation here, right? And it's as simple, again, it's simple. So you work for multi-funding, you're a salesperson. Great. Who did you report to? All right. The name of the person. Awesome. Now get the title of the person. Okay. Make sure that these are credible references, that people that could speak intelligently about your performance. And if she was your boss, if she was your sales manager, for example, she would know how well you performed in terms of metrics. She would know how well your other teammates worked with, well with you. If you were a jerk to your customer service and your support team as a sales guy, and we see this all the time, right? Really great salespeople are mean to everybody else in the organization. That's not cool, right? They, she would know whether or not, whether your customers liked you because you're getting customer feedback as well, right? So those are probably the three big things you're going to assess in a salesperson. Results, 
how, how well they were liked amongst the team, a good team player, and third, the customers and their feedback, right? So she's the chief consumer of all that information. So then I say, okay, great. Um, you know, we take the next step in the process. I'd like to speak to Lynn. If I asked you to call her and schedule a time, five or 10 minutes to talk to me, would she agree to speak with me for a few minutes? Moment of truth. Go through that line of questioning. It's a pretty logical thing to ask. Right. Yeah. You came to me and you wanted to sell me an SBA loan. And I said, well, that's great. You seem like a nice guy, but like, I mean, who's the last person you need an SBA loan? And you're like, well, I don't know, this guy, Joe. And I go, great. You know, would Joe hop on the phone with me and talk, tell me about his experience working with you? You know, yeah, like we do that every day. Like you go onto Amazon and you go buy something. And before you hit buy, you look at their star rating. And then you look at some of the reviews. You don't get in an Uber that has a two-star rating. Right? right. You don't go to a restaurant with a one star Yelp review. Right. Like we check references for everything we do in life, except for the people we hire. What are you thinking? Makes sense. Does your company do that? Do they also do reference checking or do you leave that to the client? Well, we have a tool that automates it for those who are like, well, I'm just not going to do it. You know, at least automate it. But no, we coach and we teach. So, right. We got human expert hiring coaches. We've got discovered a platform, a tool that helps you execute all of these things. The recruitment, marketing, the talent assessment with tools like automated reference checking assessments, all these cool things. And then nowadays, now we're rapidly integrating AI into that whole equation. So you've got this three-pronged approach. You've got a great tool. You've got expert hiring coaches because hiring is hard. So we find our entrepreneurial small business owners, they appreciate having an expert here to kind of coach them just like I did with you about how to do reference right. checks, right? And who are your typical clients? Are they small businesses and entrepreneurs? Yeah, they're small business and entrepreneurs. I mean, it's kind of like this zero to 250 employee type companies, right? Um, oh, you know, really? Yeah. Nationwide or, or just in California? Mostly nationwide, uh, all over the world, really. But um, yeah, mostly in North America. I I think I read in your your bio that you created or wrote a book about the best interviewing questions or the best techniques. Could you share what the, the top two techniques yeah. are in interviewing? Gave you one. So that's the reference, what I call the reference question. That's what we just kind of went through that exercise. So I asked that question within the first five to 10 minutes of meeting any candidate because mm -hmm. it sets the tone for the rest of all the other interactions. It's a true serum. It, this comes from top grading. It's no mystery. I borrow great ideas from great, great minds, right? The only difference is I've done it 15,000 times, right. literally. So I've got to practice and see how it actually works. And it works really, really well. Because if, if Ami starts hemming and hawing about, well, I don't know, you know, Lynn, I don't, she doesn't work there anymore, giving me excuses or HR has a policy against it or, or you know, or hopefully he's just brutally honest. He's saying, you know, I'd rather you not speak to and then I get to say, well, why? And, you know, look, there's exceptions to every rule. But again, I'm gathering data. If the last four of his supervisors will not speak to me and say nice things about him, there's okay. a big problem. You know, one out of four. OK, well, maybe, Lynn, you seem like a perfectly nice person, but maybe you were not. You know, I don't know. Like, maybe you really were a nightmare or something. But if the other three really have really positive, constructive things to say about Ami. I can, you know, deal with that, right? In a in a logical way. I can have my T-chart and say, right. three pros and one con. Now right. I can weigh my decision-making effectively. Okay. So the other one is significant sheets. So the, the basic essence of that question would just be, hey, Ami, as a salesperson at multifunding, in the last three years of your career, what was your most significant achievement? And whatever that is, say, let's say you launched a podcast and I don't know, I'm, you know, you got 10,000 viewers. That's pretty cool. Right? All right. That's fairly significant. Right. But now we have a jumping off point for a real conversation. 
So it's not just like, oh, that, and he tells me he started a podcast, and wow, I move on from the conversation, right? Now I go, okay, well, that's really interesting, Ami. Like, how'd you start it? How'd you get to 10,000 visitors, you know, viewers, right? Now we start to have a conversation about the nitty gritty. Now what that's doing is unfolding all of the skill sets and abilities and competencies that Ami has, because in the description of how he executed these things, he's telling me about how great of a sales guy he was, how good of a marketer he was, how technically savvy he was, or whatever the skill, those things that he used, right? And so I'm not asking, like, give me a time when you figured out an IT problem. Like, starting a podcast is an IT problem. (laughs) Let me tell you my first interview question. You can tell me if you think I messed up in my head or not. Ready? I say to people, tell me about yourself. No, that is, so that is the first question. That is the first question. Uh, is that or tell me about yourself tell me about what you're doing currently right so you gotta have you gotta have the icebreaker question what about those personality assessments there's tons of them and as an employee even through all my corporate life i take in all of them you know you're an a you're a c you're a d and then there's other ones where they mix them up and they ask you all these things but do you have a recommendation what myers brig is that what the one well i'm gonna recommend mine i mean i I have 30 proprietary behavioral Uh, assessments of course you do do. (laughs) so there are proprietary right we have both styles so there's like the four quadrant disc myers briggs that kind of style right 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 and so this is important to understand that personality um, science, I guess, for lack of a better term, there are really kind of two big buckets there. There's the four quadrant pile, the disc, Meyer Freak, those are all the same. Those are the same science, right? They're just their own flavor there, own style of that uh, execution. That style is not as great for making predictions. It's better for predicting poor outcomes than good outcomes. It is. It does relate, though. You put a person in a job that they like doing, then they're going to stick with it, and they're more, and they are more likely to be better at it. But there's not a guarantee, right? Right. Now, you put a person in a job they don't like doing, then you have a very high probability they won't be there very long, right? right. Like that you'll fire them, or they'll quit, or they'll suck, or something bad will happen, right? So think about those in that context. You know, Myers Briggs and DISC are not designed for hiring. First off, so just anybody who's using it for hiring, stop. You're going to be in trouble. Like, it's not good. And that's a huge myth. You see a lot of people using DISC assessments for hiring. Do not do that. But they're not meant for that. They're meant for just four, the three of us getting to know each other, learning how to better communicate and better self-understanding and self-awareness of yourself. And they're fantastic for that. Use them for that, right? And then there's a big five style. It's it's like, a, they're similar. Instead of four personality types, there's five. And those definitely have a lot of data behind them in predicting actual performance outcomes, like retention or outdoor performance, like sales or you know reliability and things like that. So yeah, we offer both of those. And then you get into other kinds of stuff. So this is where you get into, I mean, we're big on attitude and integrity. And um, you know, think of that as culture, right? Like, does anybody... Is there any companies out there that don't have integrity as a core value in some fashion, right? Right. Maybe they don't use the word integrity, but they use something similar, right? Right. And, you know, being just a good, nice person to be around, unless you're hiring for the wolf of Wall Street, you want people who take personal responsibility, who are honest, who are supportive of their teammates and their supervisors and their boss, who are, you know, not negative, you know, that have glass full, not half glass empty people. And we find that to be very, very impactful. And so that's a behavioral type assessment, but not like 
this personality type that you right. commonly people. And so I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about the types of assessments out there, and there's a lot of them. And I think mainly it's about picking a, a lineup of assessments that help you measure the whole person and and match the goal of what you're trying to accomplish when you hire them. So that takes careful selection of the tools. Yeah. I don't know how you avoid people that, you know, try to put the answer down that they think makes the most <laughs> sense instead of saying what is really yeah. in there. Yeah. And and I don't know how they, how do you determine whether yeah. they were giving you the answer that they think you yeah. want or the answer that they really believe. I don't hire people who tell me. I know, but I, can they, you they tell? Hear. Yeah. So Ami, have you told the white lie in the last 90 days? I have. Yeah. If you told me no, what would I now know about you? That you're a liar. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever drive above the speed limit? I've never driven above the speed limit in my life. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you ever done anything wrong? Never in my life. See where the trend goes here? Now, look, if I ask enough of those questions, maybe Ami does not speed. I drive like an old man. I actually do go above the speed limit. My wife is always telling me, drive faster, drive faster. She's like, cut up a lane over here. I'm like, no, I'm going to stay in the lane. I'm not going to tailgate, you know. But I still drive like, you know, maybe five, 10 miles above the speed limit. But, you know, the bottom line is like, maybe I'm, maybe I don't do that one thing. You know, I can, again, this is like the reference thing, right? If, but if I ask you 20 questions about, are you a human being? And you tell me, no, I'm not a human being. No, I'm not a human being. No, I'm not a human being. Now I know you're lying to me. without it. a shadow of a doubt, right? Yeah. You throw out all the assessment results. and But the one thing I know for certain is you're not willing to tell me the truth. Interesting. Right? That's a bad thing. Somebody oh, absolutely. unwilling to tell you the truth, even in this environment, in this situation. Yeah. When you hire them, I guarantee you, those are the yes people who then do something behind your back. Or right. the people who do something terrible and then lie and blame and point fingers at everybody else. And this, if, if anybody ever watched the documentary on Enron, this is how Enron happened. There were a couple of people who fudged some numbers to make their quarterly numbers so that the stock price wouldn't go down. And it wasn't good what they did, but it was reversible. But they kept piling lie upon lie upon lie upon lie and lie. And a multi-billion dollar company went under and it didn't have to. Fletcher, tell us about your business model. How does it work? Yeah, so it's a SaaS business model. You know, again, I just equate it to HubSpot or Salesforce, right? Anybody who's ever implemented one of these in their tools, you, you got to have an expert operating the tool. Now, we'd like to make that as kiss as possible, right? Simple as possible for people. But it's a SaaS business model. People buy it. They pay monthly or annually for the service. They sign up. They get a hiring coach. Day one, we get ads, start marketing jobs. You know, within a few days, we get applicants. We start figuring out the best strategy for assessing those applicants using many of the puns of tricks in our bags and our tricks. And because every role is a little different, you know, hire a lawyer versus a barista, like slightly different yeah. strategies, same principles, different strategies though. And uh, we walk them through that process and so that they're getting an education, they're learning to use a tool that makes their life easier. So it's pretty simple, you know, business model in that sense, right? Where do yeah. people find you? Discoveredats.com is our latest and greatest product that, that Ami helped us uh, create. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm easy to find. Fletcher Wimbush. There's not too many of us. Let's just spell that out. Dis discovered what? Discovered ATS, you said? Yeah. Like as an applicant tracking system. So yeah, discovered ah, ATS, awesome. Adam, Tom, Sally.com. You can awesome. check us out there. Yeah. Or the higher talent.com, higher H I R E. Or you can find me on LinkedIn. Again, I'm pretty easy to find. Again, not too many people with the same name uh, out there in the world. So love to connect with you. 
Awesome. One more question, Flesher. Can you tell me a little bit about yourself? Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I like long walks on the beach. Um... (laughs) That's great. (laughs) One time, it's it's not a joke. One time I was doing mock interviews for my college or my grad school. And a candidate was, she really stumbled upon that. And then it was like a feedback chance after. She's like, well, I was uncomfortable. I thought you were asking me about your my dating life. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. I was like, no, yeah. wasn't the intention. <laughs> she liked you, Ami. Hiring is identical to dating. But yeah, the, the process, sure. <laughs> yeah. I have this bad, I mean, to your point, I used to drive them people when I used to work in corporate America because they'd bring in a candidate for the day and they'd line up eight one hour interviews. Yeah. And I have this terrible habit or good habit, whatever it is, I make up my decision in 30 seconds. Yeah. yeah. And so then what do you then, talk about for the next 50 minutes? I'm like, get me out of here. I don't want to waste his or her time. I don't want to waste my time. They used to try to age for people nuts. Yeah. Well, so one of my other influencers is Lou Adler. And so so I'm a big top grading guy. I'm a big Lou Adler guy. I'm big my father, a lot of his content and material. So kind of my methodology is influenced heavily by those, you know, three people and, and others, Malcolm Gladwell, some others out there. But Lou really astutely addresses that exact issue. And he says, do not do that. First of all, give people a chance because and here's a great reason why. So I'm an extreme extrovert. Obviously, you can kind of tell, but like everybody else in my life are extreme introverts because I can't deal with any other extreme extroverts in my life. So that means like my number one guy in my company, my wife, you know, <laughs> I don't know why they put up with me, but I really feels, you know, like have a lot of empathy for them because these people, like they're not comfortable, right? Like being in a situation, being in an interview, they're extraordinarily uncomfortable, right? Like they're super nervous. Right. And they're also super thoughtful. When you ask them a question, they take it very literally, whatever you ask them, right? So like, tell me about yourself. And they're like, well, I don't even know how to answer this. Like, what what about myself do you want to to say, Ami, right? Then they'd be afraid to even ask you that, right? They'd be like, well, Ami, well, uh, that's an interesting question. And like, I would say, I'd be like, Ami, well, that's an interesting question. What about myself do you want to know, right? You know, extra, I'm not afraid to ask back, right? So, you know, but that's a great reason why. And introverts who are often high in conscientiousness tend to be the highest, best performing people in the world. So give them a chance, please. Functioning introvert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there are different levels too, right? Uh, yeah. Excellent. Awesome. Fletcher, it's been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us and our listeners. We really appreciate it. Great advice. Thanks so much. It was fabulous talking to you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on Ami Sites. Since 2010, multifunding has helped businesses achieve their biggest growth goals through creative and personalized funding solutions, working with a network of the nation's top lenders. Visit us at multifunding.com where you can meet our advisory team and learn more about how we help entrepreneurs fund their future.